Electric. And now here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a great Thursday, almost the weekend here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. It's Throwback Thursday. Plenty in the news as well, so we should have a jam-packed show. Joined always and forever with Trevor. Trevor, how's it going? You know you can't get rid of me with a good shot of penicillin, TJ. <laughs> oh. I'm excited. This is a big day. You know why, don't you? Because, I don't know why, because of the Blue Jays? That is correct. The 22-year the drought of playoff absence is about to come to an end, TJ. It's about to, it's about to, uh, to be happy in Toronto. What happens if it doesn't, though? Uh, well, just like uh, last 22 years, make that 23 then of no playoffs. This is a, I'm excited because this is, as a Blue Jay fan who's been one for over 20 years, I became a, started liking the Blue Jays when I was about nine years old in 89 when I saw them lose to the Oakland A's in the ALCS. Uh, I, I, this is probably only maybe the third time in that entire time that I've watched them become the buyers that they are at the trade deadline. And the previous two times resulted in back-to-back World Series championships. Well, it's. It, I'm sure it's exciting for you. I was uh, when I saw that when I saw that trade. I thought of you, uh, but you know, you still have to go out on the field and and find ways to win. Yeah, still seven games behind those damn Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got plenty of time. I think we we'll both can agree. The Yankees. We, one thing we can agree on: the Yankees do suck, right? I don't. I, I've told you, I don't really hate the Yankees that much for being a Red Sox fan. Yeah, that's that's, hate, that's weird. I hate the. I, I don't like them per se, but I don't like them. In the same breath that I don't like the Blue Jays or like, the Orioles. It's like a fish I, not liking water. I just don't understand that. I don't like uh, – the Rays are the team in the East I really don't like. The team that is, has been literally most of the 75% of their existence a, uh, an irrelevant thought. Exactly. And, and they will bring – You hate 10, the underdog, don't you? They'll have, they'll have 10,000 fans at a game and consider it a good crowd. And then the few years that they were good – they talk a lot of trash and think that they're the Yankees when they're playing the Red Sox and doing this and that. I'm just that, that's the team I don't like in the East. They don't even deserve a, a baseball franchise down there. Uh, but we we don't we didn't need to start the show talking talking baseball. What else is going on, Trevor? The Blue Jays drought. That's all I got on my mind. <laughs> that's all you're thinking. Hey, this is the first time since the anyone who's been that does now can legally buy alcohol in the last twenty years isn't. Can that, this is the first time since they were born that I've been able to get excited at the trade deadline for baseball. Well, good. I'm, uh, you should take a moment to, to to soak it all up. I am. And then I'll move on. This has been, of course, I'm sure the Blue Jays will uh, throw it back in my face, fade away. But locally, about time, fantasy football will be here, so I won't care as much. And fantasy football is just around the corner. I got my draft coming in uh, on Saturday, or, or two weeks from Saturday, rather. Kind of early for a draft. Clay B one sixteen wants to, and we've had this we've had this baseball rivalry talk before. He says, as a Cubs fan, I don't hate the Cardinals. However, he absolutely hates the Reds. Well, that makes sense. I mean, as an Eagles fan, I despise the Cowboys, but I don't despise the Giants. And well, I don't really. Eh, I, I wouldn't say I, despise, I don't like the Giants, but I don't despise them. And I really, I really have no ill will feelings towards the Redskins at all. They don't bother me really whatsoever. I'm a. I'm not going to root for them, but I'm not a. Don't really hate them. Being a Packers fan, I don't. I, I don't like the Bears, but I hate the Vikings more. So that makes sense. 
That doesn't make sense. The Bears and Packers are one of the best rivalries in all of sports. But the Vikings and Packers, the Vikings and Packers are just as big a rivalry to me. No, they're not. They're, I, I mean, historically, they're just not. It's just not true. No, I mean, yes, they might not go as far back, but just because they don't, maybe, maybe they don't have a hundred years of existence. They only have seventy years of existence. They still have a hatred that's as as, as bitter to me as as any other. I mean, well, listen, the the Raven, the, the Browns hate the Ravens. But they've only had 15 years to hate them because since they moved out of Cleveland. But it doesn't mean they hate them any less than they hate the Steelers, maybe. I'm, I'm saying that the Vikings and Packers are rivals, but it's not as big as a rivalry as Chicago and Green Bay. Uh, but And that's okay. I, I'm just talking that it's it's okay not to necessarily to flip the script a little bit. Just because your fan base says you should hate this team more, uh, Trevor, you're allowed to formulate your own opinion. No, I agree. Now, there's some, there's some exceptions where I think, like, if you're a Louisville fan or you're a Kentucky fan, there's no team you should dislike more than the opposite being Louisville or Kentucky. You can't. I can't imagine a Kentucky fan telling me they don't like IU more than they don't like Louisville. That would. I don't. Be- I don't. I don't like IU more than I dislike. That, you're, but you're weird. You obviously don't like you. You don't mind the. You hate the Rays more than the Yankees or the Red Sox fan. So I don't mind. So you're. You're, you're obviously a sports fan alien to begin with. I, I don't mind Louisville at all. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cheer for them to win games. But if they win, it's, it's no skin off my back. So if you had, we, if, if you had this you, conversation, Trevor, I know, I know, and it still baffles me to this day. We've had this conversation, but you're a weird, uh, you're a weird guy, TJ. I just want you to know that you're thanks, a good man. guy, but a weird one. I, uh, I appreciate that. I was a little surprised uh, when I was eight o'clock at the radio on when I got back into my car and I, I heard you on at eight o'clock. They've got you working <laughs> the station that late. Uh, Wednesdays is my old school radio day back in the old sports days, uh, sports radio when people were doing five and six hour shows. That's my Wednesday. I'm, uh, from four to 10. Whew. Now you start off with a bang though. So you, at least you've got that going for oh, you. Yeah. Wednesday. This is in baseball terms. Uh, it's, you're the Ricky Henderson of the, 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 uh, the lead off batter of this, of that lineup. Captain Arctic says he hates IU way more than Louisville. And honestly, I'm not saying the majority of Kentucky fans feel that way because they don't, but with eh, Louisville to me reminds me of the of a Saint X Trinity rivalry, where yeah, that's a huge rivalry. You get forty thousand people to show up to that high school game. They don't like one another, but at the end of the day, they're pretty similar. Uh, Kentucky and Louisville as programs, they're similar. Now, I, I think Kentucky is a better athletic program overall, and obviously a much better basketball program, but it's it's close. It's relatively close, all things considered. And, and you're all Kentuckians, in whether or not you you wear red or blue. That's it, it's it can be it can be friendly. It's not always friendly, and that's not the case with everybody. Trevor, I, I've seen some fights at Louisville and Kentucky games, but with IU, it's okay. It's it's almost a different way of of living. It's Indiana, Kentucky, different states separated by a river. I, I can understand why people dislike IU more than they do Kentucky. And also, you go to a game at Assembly Hall, it is much different if you're a Kentucky fan than going to a game at the KFC Yum Center. Yes, people aren't going to like you. You're going to get looks. But it is a dangerous feel when you're in Bloomington. It's not It's not the, okay, we're two great basketball programs, although Indiana has a great basketball history as well. We're two great bra- basketball programs in the same state. We play every year. Uh we play football every year too, and we we live amongst one another. With Indiana, you almost you you 
you go to assembly hall and people look at you like you're some sort of monster that needs to be terminated. It's terrifying. I, I can I can see that, but I don't think that's still. I, and I understand where Indiana would be a, a maybe one B to Louisville's Kentucky's rival. And yes, I, I'm not shocked that maybe there are a few exceptions that would consider Indiana more hated than than Louisville. But I think the majority would be the opposite. I think the majority would be more hated Louisville, obviously, than Indiana. And how much yeah, how much I, of that I, Indiana I, hate stems from just the 2012 game too? No, that's not you. You you always say this. No, I don't always. I mean, there's obviously other games and other exceptions, but it's, I mean, it's, it has nothing to. I, I think for almost. I mean, any Kentucky, Kentucky fans hate fan, Duke because of one game. I'd say any Kentucky fan over the age of twenty would dislike IU before that game. And that, that's it, it. Has nothing to. That game didn't. It it was a another great game in that rivalry when they used to play annually, but. That shouldn't have changed anybody's feelings towards IU one way. I mean, it, it could only make them worse, obviously. But I doubt anybody was neutral uh, when thinking about IU. I doubt there's any Kentucky fan when they thought of IU and went, "Eh, I don't really mind them." No, not and then, ne- not, and, not neutral, but maybe bumped them above Louisville because of just that. Maybe they, maybe going yeah, into that that it, IU it, was, yeah, you know, yeah. I disliked them but don't hate them, but now maybe, I hate them. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe some people would have bumped them ahead of Louisville, but I imagine every Kentucky fan dislikes IU. Now, maybe that game made, maybe that pushed them to a hate level. Uh, that wasn't the case for me. And, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's just a, it's a sports perspective, but yeah. that it's uh, maybe, but it's not like somebody was indifferent about IU and then that game happened and they went, oh, hell no. <laughs> no, I agree to that. I'm not saying that no Kentucky fan was. It was going into that before that game, going, yeah, you, they're not that bad. I don't mind them. No, I don't think any Kentucky fan ever said that. And a lot of people are, are uh, some Louisville fans are worried that I said Kentucky's a better athletic program than Louisville. Uh, the Director Cup says that, not me. <laughs> that's, yeah, blame, that's it on, not, blame it on the directors, the Director Cup. Right, well, it's just that's factual. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's that's where we're at. But I feel like we have. Uh, We've gotten a little off track. We've got plenty more to talk about. We can go back to baseball if you want. Let's go back. Yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, anyways, moving moving on. Kentucky going to get a, another football commit tomorrow, Trevor. Another Yahtzee. Another Yahtzee. And, and when while we were at BW threes on Tuesday talking about all these commitments, they end up getting four 2017 commitments Monday and Tuesday. They get a 2016 commitment last night. A talented player in Kobe Smith. Tomorrow is a, a different animal because this is going to be a player in the class of 2018, Trevor. What? <laughs> so, and I, again, I, I know this is. I know something we've reiterated many times, but another prime example of why recruiting does elude my attention span beyond what it is already at. And uh, so, I must let me, remember let me, a kid in 2018. What's his name? His let me just break this down, hey, and I'm I'm going to if you're a Kentucky fan I'm going to forget that I just said his 2018. Let's act like that didn't happen. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down to to kind of build up a Kentucky fan. All right, Kentucky is going to get maybe the biggest football commitment in the history of the program tomorrow. Mm, nah, that's I find that almost hard to believe when you when I know that. Hey, why, Trevor? What I'm play along. <laughs> Now don't get mad. Don't call me stupid. 
I, you're not helping your throwback Thursday chances. Oh, crap. I forgot. Oh, Play man. Along. Biggest recruit ever. Play along. All right. Give me a second to clean my, my brains off the side of the wall because my mind has just been blown. Okay. Good. That's what I like to hear. Uh, he has offers from Florida, Florida State, Ohio State, Louisville, Michigan, South Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech. You name it, he's got an offer from them. Um, I'm assuming his first name in Spanish is pronounced Jesus. What, what, what does that mean? Because it sounds like you're describing Jesus. Oh, there you go. I get it. Uh, he's a six foot three wide receiver, 180 pounds. Walks on water and catches with one hand. That's a nice body. Uh, not only is he this talented, <laughs> not only is this talented, he's he. Uh, what? Where was I going with this? I don't know. Uh, you lost me. And has he has a nice body. He, that's a that's a good body for a wide receiver. It is. That's what you want in a body for a wide receiver. Prototypical. And uh, not only is this isn't your Matt Elam type situation. He's not from Kentucky. He's from Florida, Trevor. Oh, Kentucky. That's uh, that's a mystery land for Kentucky when it comes to getting big guys. And here's the bad news, though. He's uh, in the class of 2018. <laughs> yeah. So. A five-star so player. He only has three years to change his mind. <laughs> a five-star player in the class of 2018 will likely commit to UK tomorrow, and he has all those offers. So this is a guy who just finished his freshman year. He's heading into his sophomore year. Class okay. of 2018. Lives in Tampa, Florida. Has all these offers. Incredibly talented. Put up great numbers as a freshman in high school. And for some reason, I don't, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure why, he wants to commit to UK tomorrow. UK, out of all those schools, Trevor, what is going on there? Uh, does he have a girlfriend that goes to UK? That, no. Hey, well, if he does, he's dating a much older woman. Uh, well, yeah, hey, you never know. Uh, I, did, I, I hung out with a junior when I was a freshman in high school. Um does he have family in from Louisville, from Kentucky? Uh, he does. I don't know. No, he does not. This Stoops there, gone out I, with his mom. I don't think he has any any ties to uh, to Kentucky whatsoever. Has this Stoop date his mother? Nope. Don't believe so. Um, is he driving around in a car like Eric Dickerson had after he committed to Texas A and M? Well, he probably doesn't even have his license yet. <laughs> that's that's irrelevant when it comes to recruiting gifts, TJ. Um, I'm that, that's outside of those ideas. The only thing I can think of now is that somebody hacked in his computer and found some very in, in, incriminating things from that Kentucky found, and now they're blackmailing him. Then other than that, I don't so, know. I'd actually seen him tweeting and. Do we, and, do we and have, have a name, Mysterio, or are we just going to go with the uh, man with no name? Uh, Jermaine Eskridge. All right, because I wanted is to like, Google him. And. He, I, I saw his tweets show up in my timeline. He was being retweeted on Tuesday when UK was getting all these, uh, all, all the commitments, and he was really hyped about it. He was tweeting pictures of some of the mail UK had sent him, and obviously, again, very, very, uh, he he liked what was going on with UK's football program, and supposedly just with all this momentum, he feels that it's his turn to be a part of it. Which, again, great news for. For UK. Great news. But here's the thing. To, to be able to keep him committed 
for the entire year of two thousand for the remaining two thousand fifteen. So half of two thousand fifteen, uh, you know, actually just a few months, but four months of two thousand fifteen, twelve months in two thousand sixteen. 12 months in 2017. Trevor, where are we up to on the month count? It's 28. Uh, then, you're, up to, you're up to 22 visits from Nick Saban. And then 20, so that's 28 months. And then two months into February. So UK will have to keep him signed on, a kid that's probably 14 years old, for the next 30 months. Now that seems like a tall task. And I'm not going to sit here and brag about UK's football programs moving in the right direction, and this is the reason why. Now, but I also won't sit here and say, this is stupid, you should completely ignore it, don't worry about this till he signs. And ultimately, the only thing that matters is if you actually do get his signature on signing day in February of 2018. Lord knows where we'll be, Trevor, on that day. <laughs> you can, you can but, always go uh, DeAndre Jordan on him and just uh, lock him in a house for the next four years and homeschool him. So he's ready yeah. to sign a letter of intent. A, a, a lock-in. That would be a much longer I mean, lock-in. Re- really, who's going to break into a house of Matt Elam standing in the front door? But so, so I'm not going to say that it's completely irrelevant and you shouldn't worry about it. And, and here's a few reasons why. One, the fact that they could even get a player with offers from all these big schools, not from Kentucky, to even have a, an interest in UK, even to – list them even to have them in the back of even to have Kentucky in the back of his mind at this stage of his recruitment is different than where UK football's program where UK's football program has been and it shows improvement and it shows change and that's good that's a positive two to get to for him to feel the need that he needs to commit and ultimately I you know I don't like saying this but he's probably making a mistake he probably shouldn't be committing anywhere at this age uh, he should take visits he should if I Picked what call it? Well, it's not. It's kind of different for me because my brother and sister went to Kentucky, and it had seemed that I was going to be going to Kentucky regardless, even if I didn't want to. But for me, if I were if I were making lifelong decisions when I was fourteen years old, Trevor, uh, that would not have worked out well for me. I probably would have tried to go pro in video games, and um, I'm still trying that. And I would have thought my basketball career would have really picked up. I'm like, so, I'm like Kevin Costner in Bull Durham of the video game world. I'm like the 38-year-old guy in AAA still. So while I say he's probably making a mistake, and I would say maybe it's a 15% chance he stays committed, 20% chance he stays committed, it still is showing you progression for UK's football program. It's showing you that they're, they're going to go toe-to-toe with anybody, even if it is a 2018 recruit. And they're, they've got stuff to sell. They've got positivities to – it's it's positive. The pro, there's positives around the program. That hasn't been the case always. And new facilities, and it's a, it's an offense that obviously caught young Jermaine's attention. That and the snow bunnies. So I'm not, I'm not telling Kentucky fans to completely throw this out of the way. I think you should be happy. I think you should. I'm not saying that you should necessarily uh, – I'm not saying you should necessarily brag about it. But it should make you feel good about the direction that Mark Stoops is taking this program, if you weren't already. And this is, something, this is something on the recruiting show that you're going to use if you're Stoops or whomever you are, whoever the recruiting exactly. is going. You're going to say, listen, you know, I mean, if you're ta- not talking, even if you're talking to a kid that's in a 16 or 17 class, while you, you have this kid under your commitment, under your wing, whether it's official or not, you say, look, not only are things changing by using the example of maybe what could be a bowl season this year, 
on the recruiting trail after this season. But you also say the fact that look, we have, we you brought we we've been bringing in our local talent. You bring you point in a Matt Elam. You look at a Cash Daniels. We're look we're going not only into Ohio, but we're going into Florida. We're going into Gator Country. We've got this kid, a five star receiver, who's coming in here and you know in 2018, who can be a a freshman impact. When you're going to be a sophomore, you're going to be a junior on the That's going to work on. I mean, especially nowadays for kids, more so I guess in basketball than football, they want to play all together. They want to. I mean, it's the I don't know if it's the LeBron, you know, effect of of, of wanting to put together a super team or, or wanting to be with your kid, with your buddies, and play beyond high school or little league. I mean, you saw it with Teddy Bridgewater and Eli Rogers as well coming into Louisville. So I mean, it's it seems to be more of a trend, and that's something that's obviously going to be a selling point. Yeah, it, it, you're spot on. So it can help build not only the 2018 class, which seems like forever away because it is, but it can also help with the 2017 class. It'll help with the, the, the 2016 class, although that class is even, that's filling up, Trevor. They've only got a few spots left, and we're here in, in late July, and they're almost done. They're not done recruiting because we know how football recruiting works where you need to 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 act like these guys that committed are basically still uncommitted and, and still showing them love or else somebody else will and, and they'll leave you. Um, kind of, you know, I'm sure some relationships are like that, Trevor, but that's, uh, it's different. Uh, this is, this is unfamiliar territory with UK football, not only the class being filled in July, but also getting a five-star commitment, regardless of what a class he is in, even if it is a 2018 guy that maybe won't stick around, but it, it does show that times are changing. Uh, we're going to head to commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to do this, you know, that, that, that segment or series that I teased yesterday, Trevor? Um, I know you teased the segment or series. We're we're going to we're going to do that after these commercial breaks. It, it's regarding Kentucky football. Uh, so stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Just like a home run, slamming like a slam dunk. Ride the wave, James Brown, wave funk. It happened to James, like it happened to me. How you think it feel to see another MC get paid? Using my rap style, and I'm playing the background. Meanwhile, I ain't with that. You can't forget that. You took my style. I'm taking it back, coming back. Like Return of the Jedi. Sucker MCs in the place that said I could only rock rhymes and only rock crowds, but never rock records. How you like me now? You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Presented by Allen Electric. Yeah! I read you. On a pretty nice little Thursday, Trevor. Weather not too hot today. It's still toasty, but compared to what it's been, it's a breath of fresh air. Is able to cut the grass, do some do some things outside earlier today before I had to start doing some real work. So you, you nice know, day. You know it makes uh, a day a hot day driving to and from work in a non air conditioned car even worse. 
What's that? Last night, driving to work in, in a nasty weather day with no air conditioning, driving home, even at 1030 at night with still pretty pretty humid out, no air conditioning in the car to get home and find out you have no electricity at your house. And, well, that that is a bummer. I'm, uh, I hate hearing that for you. I spent, um, it was about 80 degrees in my house and it was probably 75 outside. Was uh, finally, of course, uh, LG&E, the, the uh, wonderful monopoly uh, people that they are, with uh, their their fingertips all over the uh, the crookedness of their business here in Louisville. They told me that it would be on at midnight. Then at twelve thirty, they told me it'd be on at four. My lights came on when I finally got to go to sleep at about seven fifteen this morning. I can't sleep when it's hot. I sat there for laid in bed for two hours, looking at the looking at the ceiling and a and in a puddle of my own sweat. And then finally, when the lights kicked on and then my fan kicked on, ten minutes later, I was asleep. Well, I you know that's I I hate to hear that for you. No, no, I wish, you don't. You're smiling there, right now. Wish I am smiling. <laughs> you right are. Now. You're over smile. You're over going. Well, maybe you lost a little more weight at least last night, Trevor. That wouldn't have hurt. Uh, so during the break, Jermaine Eskridge made it official. Uh, he, I was told he was going to wait till tomorrow, but I, it was not a very well kept secret. Uh, but he made it official during the commercial break. He must have been listening to the show and knew that we were talking about him. Uh, so he is the uh, he's committed to UK. He's a Kentucky commit now. He already has it in his bio, University of Kentucky commit. Ooh, he changed his bio. So that that's is, the equivalent uh, of getting you know saying I do at the altar to these kids in terms of changing your social media. It's the equivalent of a Facebook. It's making it Facebook official, but it's easily changeable. Again, I'm saying that the odds of him staying to com- committed to UK for signing day 2018 are. Pretty slim, not impossible. You'd still rather have him committed than not committed, but a lot of time, yeah, a lot, a lot of time to go back in there. But we talked about it in the first segment. It's, it's. You might as well have it. It's a bigger deal to have him on board uh, than than just. You'd rather get your hopes up later than not to have this moment right now, Trevor. Yeah, and again, at least I mean, if he does change his mind, at least you know at one point you have convinced him well, good enough to. To accept you, you just now got to keep him convinced. Yeah, if he does change his mind. At least it gives you the boost, saying, "Listen, we can." He may have changed his mind because he had three years to change his mind, but at one point we did convince him to do it. So we we obviously can convince, we can recruit at that level, and maybe in certain states where we haven't had as much high success as as we have had in other states. Not that they haven't gotten guys out of Florida before, but it's a well, yeah, but nobody a high like this. four and five star level. Yeah, I mean, you're talking most Florida guys you get are. Maybe three stars at best, probably. Well, they're probably the best Florida guy they've gotten in a while, and I could be wrong. Somebody that uh, that I, I'm, I'm probably forgetting somebody, uh, but it would probably be Blake McLean, who has played an important role on Kentucky's team. Uh, he's from Winter Park, Florida, and he committed back in 2013. And he had a pretty decent offer sheet, nothing like what uh, Germ- what what Jermaine had. But I'm looking through the 2016 commitments, and there's actually 17 players listed from Florida, but none higher than a three-star. For Kentucky, 17 players from Florida? That's what I'm seeing, yeah. The most of them don't even have stars, though. For so 2016? I, I think they're just being recruited. I don't know if they're all committed or not. Yeah, that, that has to be offers or something, yeah, something that's, else. That's with that's what medium, medium interest or higher. Yeah, that's uh, you, you need no. That's yeah, that's not accurate. Uh, but but again, I would but say none of them. But still, even those are no higher than the three star, whether it's committed or not. Is my point. Yeah, but uh, so it is a big deal. 
but anyways, let's let's kind of use this as a good transition to the the segment that we're going to be doing every day, Trevor, for the next while. Every we're day. Just going to, every day. Okay. We're going to we're just going to break down a position on UK's football team, and that's that's all we're going to do. And one you know one position a day. We'll do it for a segment. We'll do it for 10, 15 minutes. Nothing major, uh, but we're just going to talk about it. And, and this will hopefully get us to uh, help us get to football season. So, should we start with a bang today with the quarterbacks? Uh, yeah. Why not? It's not a position we we, we talk about very much anyway. Because it's it's you know that obviously quarterback is sexy, but I don't feel that there's a lot of. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna talk about who needs to step up or uh, what needs to happen, or maybe some sleepers at this position. I think it's pretty simple. Although UK doesn't want to say it, it's going to be Patrick Toll's job. He's going to be the guy under center to start the season. So let's talk more about what he needs to work on off a pretty good uh, 2014 season. Not great, but a lot of people think that he can end up being an NFL player. So what does he have to do, Trevor, to show that he that he's more of an NFL player than an inconsistent quarterback like he showed at times last year? Uh, Although he's still okay, he's still pretty good. I mean, I, honestly, I'm 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 kind of high on tolls. I, I he 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 made he made me a believer last year, and I know there's a lot of some Louisville fans that I know, and even some other you know people that that have the knocks on him, especially for the way he's somewhat. I guess I don't want to say him individually, but I mean he being one of the the better parts of the uh, this team, the fade at the end of the season. To me, in terms of his improvement, yes, consistency, obviously, to some decision making, uh, decision making more more importantly, when to run and when to maybe throw just throw the ball away, is uh, is is the top of that decision making list to me. But if anything, in terms of his improvement, is not as much to do with it's him as it's the people around him, and I mean that by a your receiving core being a little more consistent as well, helping him, that would definitely help his consistency. And B, also the, the running game. That, that to me, last year was one of the biggest things that told us. Patrick Tolls had 145 carries officially last year. That was one more than Brandon Radcliffe, who led Louisville in carries. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of carries. At one point, there was, there was numerous games. I think he had more than 15 or 16 carries in the game, one in which he had 22. I mean, yep. and, and in this competition – that's just getting beat up a lot, and that's that. I, I credit that reason for a lot of his fading in the season was just the the toll of getting the the toll on tolls of getting just beat up over through the not to put a bad kind of uh, pun out there maybe, but you know that was one of the reasons why I thought you saw that fading a lot, and not you didn't see the consistency of the type of game where you saw against Mississippi State where he looked like a maybe the best quarterback in the SEC East if not the SEC or the game against. You know, a game against Florida where he looked like, you know, clearly someone who has no business even discussing a chance of him losing his job to anybody, even a high-quality crew like Drew Barker. And as the year went along, I know I think that was more of a wear and tear. So to me, and I don't I mean to say, make it sound like if it's him saying this, it would sound like he's throwing the blame game at people around him. But in my opinion, the people around him and the supporting cast have a more consistent running game, and I think you will see that a little bit this year with Boone Williams, and the receivers holding on to a few more balls in certain situations – is definitely going to show on the side where Patrick Tolles is going to look even better. Yeah, I, I think that was a pretty spot-on assessment. If we wanted to, Trevor, we could just say, all right, well, there you go. <laughs> Am I dropping the mic right there? Am I doing well, like- <laughs> pretty much touched on everything, and I agree with most things. One thing you didn't mention that I think is at least worth mentioning on, and we can debate whether or not this is actually important, but 
there was at times, and, and certainly it was later on in the season, and obviously Kentucky was playing better teams in those games, Yeah, but it didn't seem like the play calling really helped tolls at all. It, it didn't seem, you know, and, and maybe this was because they were playing better teams and UK didn't have the talent, one, on the offensive line, or two, out at wide receiver, to really make things difficult for the defense. But it seemed like everything UK was doing offensively was incredibly basic. And defenses thought it was, you know, watching those last few games against Missouri, against Georgia, which was just a massacre, uh, against Tennessee, which was more of the same. And even against Louisville, although Kentucky puts up 40 points against Louisville, but but watching UK's offense, uh, the passing game, work against Louisville, it just kind of looked like in those last few games, defenses looked happy to go against UK's passing attack, that it, it wasn't anything that kind of stressed them out. And you, I do wonder if that was Neil Brown, uh, if, if that was his fault, or if he was just making the most of what he had, or if he didn't want to make things too complicated, whatever, whatever the reasoning being. I am curious how Shannon Dawson will affect, uh, will affect Patrick Tolles. And I think that's something that nobody's really discussing right now, is you are going to have a new offensive coordinator, a guy who, one, is okay running the ball more. Uh, Neil Brown wanted to run the air raid and, and sometimes had to run the ball because he didn't, again, UK didn't really have the receivers last year. Uh, but Shannon Dawson's not going to be shy about splitting the passing and, and ground attack, which could coincidentally help Patrick Tolles. And two, yeah, he's very vocal, Shannon Dawson is, about taking more shots down the field. If they do that, you have to think that could open up the middle of the field, that could open up some shorter routes, it would make the defense have to think more about what what coverage they're going to play and uh, where some of the routes could be going, where last year, like I said, uh, the last half of the season just looked incredibly basic in, in, in what they did. So I'm I'm also curious about that. That's one thing you didn't mention. But everything else you said was spot on. The wide receivers have to step up for Patrick Tolles to have a bigger year. The offensive line needs to be able to give him time. Those are two things that Patrick Tolles himself can't really control. But you, but here's what he can control. is One, he does need to be more efficient. You have to imagine another year under his belt, having some extra experience, knowing what's going to happen. That will help his efficiency, and I don't expect that to be a major problem. He's going to have some bad games because Kentucky's going to play some really good teams. Uh, the top 25 came out today. UK is going to play a ton of those teams. Uh, UK also did receive one vote, though, if you didn't hear, which is which is interesting. But uh, so I, I think he'll be more efficient, and I think the experience is going to help him. I'd also agree with what you said that running the ball. I'm not saying he needs to cut that out because he was uh, he was incredibly efficient running the ball last year. Against Mississippi State, ran for Mississippi State, which was the number one team for the majority of last season, uh, ran for 76 yards and two touchdowns against the Bulldogs. But my problem was on 23 carries, and and, and that was one of two games he had over 20 carries. The other was Ohio. I mean, that's the decision-making. To to show kind of an eagle, to make a reference to the Eagles and Don McNabb, Don McNabb's first year, full year as a starter, he was second in MVP voting by Marshall Falk, but he ran for almost 700 yards rushing. He never ran for more than I think 400 yards in the season after that, because he was kind of forced to run. It was more of a, it was a very basic scheme for a lot of quarterbacks that have the mobility like that, where it's a one read and run, one read run, maybe two reads, but more often than one read and run. And I think that's what you saw with Tolls a lot last year. And I think maybe occasionally, not that you can't add a second read to to him, and I don't know if you can. But we'll, we'll get to that more when we talk about receivers on that day. But with the quarterback situation. I think he needs to be a little more patient and a little bit more 
understanding on when is the right time to run and when is the right time. Like I said, just th- if you don't have the ball, just throw it away. There's no, there's no. Listen, you're not going to be less of a man for throwing a ball away. You're not going to be considered, you know, a, a a you know chicken bleep of a player of a quarterback because you're trying to force the ball like Brett Favre. Just throw it away and live and play another day. I don't mean to talk in that, rhyme. That will, and I I agree with that. I'm not saying he shouldn't run because I think he's a good runner and yeah. I think that's a weapon Kentucky should use. But if they're playing one of their three out-of-conference games, if they're playing a team and the game is decided one way or the other, whether, whether you know it's clear Kentucky's not going to win or if they're playing a team like Vandy and and it's a, it's a comfortable win, uh, he needs to just he does need to do that. It's, it's okay to waste a down to save a hit on your body. Now, if he's playing against Louisville, and let's say it's a situation like last year where it's a close game and Kentucky has to do whatever they can to get a win, then if he thinks he needs to run to, to pick up a first down, uh, then then do it. He's a big body quarterback. You know, he, he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. He can take some hits, but I do agree with you, Trevor. He needs to be smarter about when it's appropriate to take that hit, to take some contact, versus when maybe he should just throw the ball away uh, and and live to play another another down. Four games um, last year, he had um, over he, he had as many running attempts over fifty percent as. Uh, just under 50% running attempts than he did passing attempts. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? For example, Ohio, he had 31 passing attempts. He ran the ball 22 times. You should not have that type of number. Florida, 45 pass attempts, only nine running attempts. That's the type of numbers Patrick Knowles needs to have in a game-in, game-out type basis. No more than 10, 10 rushes a game, maybe 11 at the most, unless something you know comes about where he can break away, like you mentioned in the Mississippi State game where he had 76 yards. But if I'm not mistaken, a lot of that came on one run. Didn't he have like a 50-yard run in that game? He did have a he had a forty eight yard yeah, run. So I mean that's twenty two yards for thirty carries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but you watch that game. A lot of those were important yards. Another thing, another interesting thing while we're talking about him running, Shannon Dawson also recently said that he has never ran the Wildcat in his life. And you've seen Kentucky uh, in both years that Stoops has been at, at UK, but especially last year, it obviously helped win the South Carolina game. Uh, the Wildcat being a big part of the offense. I'm sure that they will do some Wildcat, but I wonder if Shannon Dawson will just say, "We've we've got our Wildcat quarterback and Patrick Tolles. If we need to to run him to get a few yards and a and a and and he gets snapped the ball setting, we'll just do that without any issue." That's not need the Wildcat. That's just called a spread option. When you have an actual yeah, quarterback button center, yeah, it's not yeah. the Wildcat anymore. I know. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that they wouldn't they just keep tolls in and just have him run the ball? It wouldn't they wouldn't need to have a wildcat player come in, uh, which would, would which would be something to to keep an eye on moving forward. And then obviously while we're talking about the position, we need to talk about some other guys, and that is Drew Barker. I don't expect him to to start a game this year, as long as Patrick Toll stays healthy. I think Drew Barker will stay on the bench. It will be interesting with UK with how they're. I, I talk about how I've talked about this a lot about how UK schedule opens up with a chance for them, just like last year, to build a lot of momentum. You're going to get an idea of which way UK season's going. On the flip side, if things don't go as planned, and let's say Kentucky loses to South Carolina, loses to Florida, loses to Missouri, and is sitting at one and three, you've got a cupcake, well, a semi cupcake coming in in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Trevor, could you imagine any scenario where Kentucky says, all right, we're actually going, uh, we thought Patrick Tolles was going to be the guy. It hasn't worked out like we thought it was. We're going to give Drew Barker a chance. That Eastern Kentucky game would be the game to do it to kind of see how he performs uh, against bad competition because you know if he can't perform well against bad competition, then there's no no sense of keeping him in against Auburn the following Thursday. 
Um, so, do you could you could you imagine any scenario where maybe they make a quarterback change midseason? Could I imagine it? Yes. Do would I approve it? Hell no. I and now I don't know tolls how he is is how he would take something like that and wouldn't be able to bounce back from it. I don't know him personally. I've never had a chance to talk to him or sit down or receive very many interviews to get a gist of how I'd feel about him. Maybe how you understand that. And I think the coaching staff would realize that a little better than maybe I clearly better than I would. I hope they would at least. If they don't, there's serious deep doo doo. But if the, if he is somebody that could maybe they feel could bounce back from being set down, even in a cupcake game like that after a poor start, because clearly you're only starting him in even a cupcake game because of a poor start, then maybe. But uh, to me, no, I would not. Do, I, I just think that just opens up a Pandora's box that could be just it could almost ruin your season because what. I mean, there's obviously positives. Drew Barker comes in, he looks awesome. He continues to start. He continues to look awesome, and like he goes on and and do, does well, and has their quarterback clear the future and tolls transfers, which would probably be, I would assume, what happened if, if that was the case. And Barker dominated for the rest of the year and was end up being the star the rest of the year. Or the backside is he plays well against CKU, which is might be understandable, especially since he has some revenge tactics. I'm sure in the back of his mind for them. And but he comes in after that. And I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but struggles in 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 the tougher games following that. The next two or three tougher games. Then if you go back to tolls, have you ruined? I mean, is is, is tolls going to be the same quarterback coming back confidence wise? Is Barker going to be the same quarterback in the future confidence wise at this point? Can he can he handle being uh, having a, a, a short stint in the spotlight to, in the struggle and then be benched right away? Can he come back from that? That's the type of kid from what I've seen. I don't think can now tolls. I don't know, but. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think that's just not a very good move. If I, if you're going to be it, just go through it all like you did last year. Just put your all your eggs in Toll's basket. There's not a problem with that. I think last year proved that it's a safe bet, and you're probably not going to have that in too many broken eggs when it's all said and done. And and go through the season with Toll's and let barring injury, obviously. Well, furthermore, I see the scenario though. I do see it, but yeah, I don't agree. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. All right, but so we both don't think that's going to happen. And with that being said. What can Drew Barker do from the sidelines this year? This is obviously a kid that that needs to grow up a little bit. That's, he is a college kid. That was number that's, one right there. What I was going to say was grow up. That's not you know that's nothing outlandish. That's not really a. It's he obviously has had some mistakes, and you hope that he learns from those. And uh, you know I'm not saying that he's uh, the the worst kid in the world, but he obviously has some some things he needs to polish, just like a lot of us do. But what else can he do from the bench to, to help prep him? You're likely going to get Patrick Tolles for a few more years at UK. So what else can Drew Barker do this year, watching from the sidelines, that could make him a better option for Kentucky moving forward? Maybe not this year, maybe not the next year, but when it is finally his time, what can you say, okay, you can go back to that year that he sat on the bench that really helped him? Because obviously it's not going to be playing, uh, playing in the game and getting in-game experience. But there really, there could be some positives that he could he could take out of this season. And he might get a, excuse me, he might get on the field in a game where you're blowing out EKU and he gets to play the fourth quarter. You know, if you're up forty five to nothing and something like that. So that wouldn't be a bad that's one of the few that's one of the scenarios where he can get on the field and not have to, to cross the bridge of the, the negatives that I went through in the uh, earlier explanation. To me though, other than growing up, just learning. I mean Getting him, I mean, I know you were doing it last year to a point, but I don't know. I'm assuming he was on the sidelines even as a red shirt. But I mean, grasp the, the atmosphere, you know, grasp the, the the feeling of being in a place like, you know, Davis Wade Stadium and the cowbells going nuts around you, being in, you know, Sanford Stadium and looking at the hedges and hearing 100,000 people telling you how bad you are and you know, how much they want to kill you. 
I would use Vanderbilt as an example, but that's like being at a prep rally, probably. So it's probably not <laughs> you're not going to learn anything there. But you know, but pick up that, learn that, learn the, the offense, realize and and learn more how how fast, much faster this college game is, and how much faster the SEC is compared to you know maybe even playing a Louisiana you know Louisiana Raging Cajun or maybe the fourth quarter that you got to play at EKU in in a, in a blowout game. Just just learn and absorb. Don't don't tell anybody anything. Just only, the only time you should speak is when you're asking a question of advice for what you need to know. Yeah, and again, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, there are things he can take away, and 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 he should just analyze every play that he sees Tolls yes. make, and, and what he would do, what what he felt Tolls did wrong, what he would do differently. And finally, Kentucky could get some stability at the quarterback position that good programs have. Kentucky has not had this luxury for a very long time. Where okay, when it, let's in an ideal situation, Patrick Tolles ends up having a great career for Kentucky, uh, leads them back to a bowl game, and, and puts up solid numbers. And in hell, probably even gets drafted because he, he does have a good size and he is playing in the SEC. Oh, he'll get drafted now. It might be like a fifth round at worst, sixth round maybe at worst. Yeah, I think it'd be I, better, I, but he'll I, get drafted. So then Kentucky's program it doesn't necessarily have to take a step back at that position. Uh, you you have a an older, experienced guy that could slide right in. So. I think Drew Barker just needs to be working towards that with the mindset, though, that, hey, I'm younger than Tolls. Maybe I can maybe I can win this job out next year. Maybe I can say maybe if he if he falters, I can I can show this coaching staff. I can show fans that I can be the guy. He still needs to have that mentality, but he also just needs to be a sponge where he's going to absorb everything else. And I don't think that's completely unrealistic. Reese Phillips is uh, should be should be back by when the season starts. Uh, he obviously was had been in the conversation prior, uh, but then obviously was injured, and it's not 100% sure exactly if he's going to be able to play in fall camp. I, I think the, the goal was that he was going to, um, but it, it, actually I'm not, I'm not even 100 he, he did rupture his Achilles, so I, it, could be, uh, it could be even a longer recovery than that. My only advice to Reese Phillips is use the use the pickup line. I play quarterback for Kentucky or I play football for Kentucky as much in the next three years as you can because that's the only thing you're going to get out of being on that roster. Anyways, okay, I agree. Uh, we need to head to commercial break. We'll come back. It's Throwback Thursday. Tomorrow we'll preview the running backs for Kentucky. That'll be another fun position to talk about and a little bit more. I can't wait okay, till we, we get to the kickers and punters. That's my day. Uh, that's going to be a good day. That's going to be a good day that everybody has circled on their calendars. Uh, so we'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. I used to live downtown, 120 9th Street, Convent. Everything's upbeat, parties, fall in the park, nothing. But girls at the dark, we chill. Nobody gets ill in the place. We cover hell, but if you try them, that's when they will get wild. But they don't fight, they I think you're going to be okay here. They have a thin candy shell. Hmm. Surprised you didn't know that. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. I think your brain has a thick candy shell. Your, um, your brain has the shell on it. Are you talking? Shut up. Presented by Allen Electric. There's a destination a little up the road from 
from the habitations in the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans We're back here, 1450 to Sports Buzz Before we play Throwback Thursday It'd be a good time to remind you that the Sports Talker With TJ Walker is brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentuckyana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP, for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Trevor, what's your confidence heading into Throwback Thursday? Well, I've made zero Andrew Harrison remarks. Uh, I tried to be very pleasant. Luckily, you got a position today in our segment where I was quarterback, so I could be positive. Because uh, if it was wide receivers, I might have been getting a tough question here to start to show off. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I'm, yeah, I think, uh, you know, last week I slipped up a little bit. It took me a minute to get it. I thought I was in the right area right away. Just, uh, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like uh, this. I, I can hit this without having to foul off too many pitches. All right, so if you don't know how the game works, I will give a hint. It will either be a sports hint or just a, a world event. And Trevor guesses a year after I give the clue. If he's right, the game's over, and he gets it. If he is wrong, we go to the next one. You play along at home. You let us know how you did. And uh, that's pretty much it. It's simple and sweet. So let's get into Throwback Thursday. It's that time. What time is it? Damn time. What we going to do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? So ya thought ya might like to go to the show. Contestants, good luck. Now, question number one. Who discovered America? Dick York? Dude, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. All right, your first question. 1588. That is correct. All right. Here we go. Please be the year I was born. Please be the year I was born. 13 million Americans are unemployed, and the U.S. forces over 10,000 Mexicans out of the country. 1923? That's, that's I, 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 we'll talk more about why you guessed that. Uh, well, you know why I guessed that. You can guess I'm thinking Great Depression. Uh, that, that's, that's inaccurate. Uh. It's tough to get it on the first one until you give me a cupcake like what year did Marquette beat Kentucky. USC football wins uh, the college football national championship, although Michigan makes a claim uh, that they want a share of it. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead and say, oh, uh, no, 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 1997? Wrong. So stupid. All right, this should help you reel it back in a little bit. <laughs> jo- Johnny Cash is born. Okay, hold on. I'm, 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 picturing, I'm picturing the Walk the Line movie. He's walking <laughs> in Arkansas with his brother, uh, his brother. Before he gets sliced up because he went out fishing. Um, he was born in Arkansas in 19, uh, 19, 
1822? 1922. 19, 19, didn't you already guess that? I said 23 last time. Uh, no, you're, you're in a, incorrect. You're wrong anyway. So stupid. <laughs> I don't want 18, by the way. Come on. You said, you said Johnny Cash, not Julius Caesar, which would probably be 15-something by anyway. But he was Burgo, a, King, <laughs> Burgo King wins the Kentucky Derby. Oh, hell. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking in the 20s. So let's say 1927. That is incorrect. I've got eight more attempts in, the, in this decade. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert Hoover is the president of the United States. See, I know I'm in the right damn decade, or at least getting. I'm in the vicinity. Um, I don't know, Herbert Hoover was after Coolidge, I think. Uh, so I'd say you know, you're laughing. I'm probably wrong. He's probably before Coolidge. Um, 1928. Wrong. So stupid. So stupid. So stupid. I did that on purpose. (laughs) UK's Forest Sale makes the All-American team. (laughs) Who? Forest Sale. 1929. Wrong. The United States is officially in the Great Depression. Well, hell, I thought I guessed that right. Uh, 1925. Wrong. So stupid. So stupid. So stupid. So stupid. The Chicago Bears win uh, the first ever NFL championship. 1921. Wrong. I'm out of. I'm out of. I'm out of. Ah, Tell me what damn year I didn't guess. It was was the 20s. I know. You're wrong about when the Great Depression started. I thought it was early 20s. Was it 19? I think you're thinking of Prohibition started in the early 20s. The Great Depression started in 1932. Uh, I thought it was. In the, I thought it was like 23. I'm dyslexic, by the way. You're, you're thinking of <laughs> you're, you're thinking of Prohibition, which is under uh, Prohibition did start in the early 20s. That's uh, that's apparently where I got that's see that's where I got I got screwed up. I got caught in that one year. I got caught up on that. That's okay. Well, I, I stumped you again. You're. By uh, way, you're I, did, all- I just looked at my phone and Captain Arctic uh, did t- uh, type in 1932. He tried to cheat for you? Yeah, I just I didn't see it though. He said it one Where minute ago. Where is the integrity for this game? I just now looked at my phone because my phone's on vibrate, which is for the show. And since I had to charge it, I had to put it behind me, so I I didn't see my text or anything during the show. And I just looked at my phone one minute ago. He might have been guessing. I could have been just him yeah. just giving his guess. No, if he would have guessed, he would have tweeted it in. Sorry, he Captain Arctic. I appreciate you trying to help. He wanted to. Oh man. That's sneaky. Where see, this is why when I thought you cheated that one time, this is the reason why. I guess <laughs> see, I didn't cheat. I, I knew you. I knew. I, I can't believe I had to sing in the twenties for some reason. That's why you were giggling at me because you knew I was lost in the wrong damn decade. So stupid. Yeah. Well, I, I liked how your first guess was nineteen twenty three, and then you jumped up to nineteen ninety six. Ninety seven, actually. <laughs> and I said ninety seven because. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking Michigan uh, in the Rose Bowl, and they 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 want to share that title. I don't know what I was thinking. They I knew they they won they USC. It was no there was no argument there because they did want to share that title. I was thinking it might have been the seventies, thinking USC winning a title and Michigan wanting a share, but uh, I couldn't think of anything that would have been circling around the Great Depression that would have caused you know the, the amount of work stoppage that you mentioned in the first clue. I knew that had to be. I mean that's. I'm kicking myself for that, thinking that was. Well, the, I, I, I mean the the first clue I, I so like. So mad at myself. I also, I also thought that it, you could think that that was recent, 
uh, or at least in the last 10 years or 15 years with 13, 13 million Americans unemployed and U.S. forcing 10,000 Mexicans uh, south of the border. That could be something more current with immigration rules and you know, immigration in the days and not as much strong back then, but I, I, I immediately thought the Great Depression. The only reason I even went away from the 20s well, because obviously I'm an idiot and was thinking for some reason the Great Depression was in the 20s. I don't know. Obviously, I was confused mixing up the prohibition, like you said, in my head. But the reason I was stuck there was because the only reason I went to 90s was because I just thought I'd take a shot in the dark with that Michigan. But once I said it, I realized how stupid it sounded. I can't. You're not, okay. Then, yeah, you'll you'll bounce back next week. And that was awful. Wow. I mean, I, that was just. I mean, you'll bounce back next you week. You are completely man. wrong, Adam Sandler. I am not. I am the smartest man alive. Not even close, buddy. Not even close. It's unfortunate. That was, uh, like, man. That was brutal. I feel like you should buy me dinner or something after that. So, <laughs> well, that that won't happen. But uh, we do have an update on the on the drone dispute here in Kentucky, which has taken off. <laughs> the great drone debate. This has turned into a huge controversy that is that that is national news now, and people are talking about how this court case is really going to set the bar for what happens with drone privacy and, and all that moving forward. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh. Just the, the Lord of drone privacy makes me giggle for some reason. I don't know why I can't answer that. So, uh, there's a video that, that we, I, I can't play on the, uh, on the radio, but, uh, you did have the, the guy whose drone that it was, he, he wanted to clear his name a little bit, that he's not a peeping Tom, that he was not trying to check out William Meredith's daughters or try to see what was going on inside their house or really check in on what was going on outside. So he showed the flight map of his drone on his iPad, and it, it you know the, the good drones will do that. It will show you how long your drone flew, where it flew, uh, the elevation of how high it was flying. So he show so he shows the flight path and uh, and talks about how basically his drone never never was with uh, William Meredith I believe said that the drone was around ten to fifteen feet in his backyard. Uh, he showcased that that was not true that was not possible based on the drone flight path. It shows exactly where the drone was shot down where they had to go pick it up. So basically, what they're saying it, it was something like 150 feet in the air, Trevor, or something. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but so he was saying, no, it was, it was never just hanging out in their backyard, uh, that it was flying. They were flying it over to a friend's house and they did have to go over his backyard, but it was so high above their house. There's no way that they were peeping on anyone or, or in trying to trying to get a sneak peek of something. So what do you make of that now, knowing this news? Now, the only question I have is how long, I mean, I, I'm not, obviously maybe Mr. Meredith is a pretty good shot, but I would think it would have to have been, I mean, if it's flying just over his house, I don't think those things move so slow to where if it's just continuously moving, he would have time to notice it, go get his gun, get back out, unless maybe he's carrying his gun with him, I don't know. But you know, and then aim and fire and and hit it in that in that quick a time. Therefore, I would think it would have to have been at least hovering at some point over his house long enough for him to be get get the paranoia of wanting to get his gun and shoot it down. Does that make sense? Yeah. I now if it's high I, up there, still I still I still don't I still don't think you should, 
shooting it down. I, don't, I mean, especially if it's 100-something feet up above you. Now, if he's claiming it was, you know, near the level of where he could, you know, he could, could shoot it and it was close enough. Now, the way he describes it at that lower level, I think he could have maybe grabbed it and not shot it. And then and at that point, you could, you know, find out who it is. And then he could be the one that would be, you know, taking some kind of civil lawsuit against them for privacy reasons and having a drone hanging in his backyard. But if it's that up high, I mean, it's got to be at least hanging up there. I mean, like stopped or at least, you know, floating in that vicinity for a long enough time for him to be able to do these actions. So uh, otherwise, he's just sitting in his backyard with a shotgun while his daughter well, bathes into no, the no, swimming no, no, pool. I mean, and he's just like, "Hey, look, there's a drone." I they could have been shoot, hanging out. And, I was going to shoot a bird today. But what the hell? No, <laughs> they could have been hanging out. And Trevor, I mean, like we talked about yesterday, if you we haven't seen a drone out in public. That's no, not something never, that no, no. I'll, I'm not on the golf course, and I say to myself, "Oh, look, there's a drone. Oh, there's another one. There's another one." <laughs> it's a rare thing to see a drone. So they could have been out there hanging out. Saw this weird thing flying in the sky. Uh, my this is kind of a side note, but my dad uh, loves to buy these little lanterns that usually people let off at weddings. You know what I'm talking about? They're uh, they're basically like little small hot air balloons. Uh, they they can be about four feet tall. You light them at the bottom. The hot air catches the the lantern at the top and it flies away. I'm not familiar with them, but I I mean I'm sure I've maybe seen them. You're just I don't I can't picture. My dad so. loves them. He loves to play with them, and we set them off from time to time. And we have had people tell us that they thought it was an alien, or they had no idea what it was. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're far away, you just see this burning thing flying in the sky, and it, it keeps going until it eventually burns out. But by the time it burns out, it is super high in the sky, and, I mean, and usually a few miles away. By true definition, it, it, it is a UFO because to you, it is an unidentified flying object. Yeah. So, so, it, so on that same note, uh, there's a drone, which you know what a drone is, but you don't yeah. know exactly what it's doing. So they probably were intrigued by it, maybe scared by it, maybe you know I'm I'm not I'm not going to call Mr. Meredith maybe a, a a redneck, but maybe he was just oh hell no the government's spying on me or something <laughs> along those lines, and maybe it was that high up, and maybe he was just looking to start a little trouble, uh, knowing that maybe it wasn't the right thing to do, and then after he did it, he had to spin and find a reason as to why he did it, and it was an invasion of privacy, not knowing that uh, the 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 elevation of the drone was tracked because there is no excuse to shoot something that high in the air. I don't care. I mean, what if it, I mean, I it could I, have been a remote control helicopter for all we know. I mean, he couldn't have been able to tell at that point as high as up it was. If he had a camera on it or not, I don't think. It, it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And maybe when he shot it down, I, I, I what I understood from what I understood is when it shot down, it didn't fall directly in his backyard. It, it was able to go to continue to move and then eventually crashed somewhere else. Uh, but maybe he once it crashed, he figured out that maybe that was a more expensive drone that it did have a camera. Um, I don't know. or I, I have no idea. But based on this new evidence, I, I, I don't agree with M Mr. Meredith. I, I do think that drones and privacy, that's something that, that's a bridge we're going to have to come across. But in this case, Trevor, uh, it seems like he was just kind of looking to, to stir a little trouble and be able to shoot his gun at something in his backyard and, uh, you know, be an American. Our government's still trying to catch up with Internet laws at this point and as far as long as the Internet has come. We'll worry about drone laws and privacy stuff when that long way down the road. We get, there's a lot more important things to worry about now. He wanted people to know that uh, he believes in the Second Amendment and uh, <laughs> drone, be, drone be damned. Yeah, I, love, I, love the, I love the crutch of the Second Amendment. I love that. But I don't... <laughs> 
I, you know, I, I yesterday when we were talking about it, I was like, okay. I mean, if this drone was hovering around 10 feet above their house and kind of toying with them and checking out people laying out in bathing suits, that's not right. But if, uh, if it's 150 feet in the air and it's moving from point A to point B and it just so happens to go over their backyard on their way to point B, uh, you can't shoot that down. I mean, would you shoot down a balloon? Would you shoot it down if it's going? I mean, what if you're at a, I mean, a public pool and it flies over? Technically, it's no. I mean, it's. I mean, would you shoot it down then too? No, he obviously wouldn't. So you know, know, I don't know that. (laughs) I I don't know that. I hope he wouldn't. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see how this all plays out. It is going to be interesting because they're going to look back at this case for for future drone cases moving forward. Uh, Did you see the uh, Ohio State players had some suspensions? Uh, I saw, I heard, a, I saw the headline, but did not read the article because it really didn't shock me. Uh, so four players suspended. Uh, Joey Boza was the was kind of the big name. Banned. They, they didn't say exactly what they were banned for. What's being thrown around is maybe some some marijuana. And academics uh, some, is what the headline. Maybe said. some academics things. Uh, those are the two big things that people are talking about. Uh, but it's going to keep them out four players out for the first game, which is at Virginia Tech, uh, the only team that – here we go. The only team that beat <laughs> Ohio State last year. It's also Jalen Marshall, uh, Dontre Wilson, and Corey Smith. So is this a big deal for Ohio State? Should they be worried about an upset to the Hokies? Uh, I think they should be worried about an upset to the Hokies regardless of now suspensions. Now, is it a, is it a, is it a blow to Ohio State? Maybe more than I'm giving it credit for because I don't know I don't know Ohio State's roster inside and out. I know that uh, obviously one of the names is, is you know the defensive guy that that was big last year for him, Bosa, and let him in sacks and tackles. So clearly losing somebody like him, but you would think, and I'm, this is maybe you know prejudging Ohio State for the talented team they can be, but you would think they'd be able to at least hover above water enough. To be able to overcome the to have enough depth in their town to overcome even losing a guy like that for just a couple of games in a game against Virginia Tech, who's a team they should beat anyway. It, so long yeah. story short, I wouldn't be more any more nervous than I was going into the game without the guy, which without those guys. I'd be, I'd be a, I'd be a slightly a bit more nervous. Not, uh, it wouldn't change anything drastic because I, I still think this is a game that I'd be worried about if I was an Ohio State fan. One, you don't really know who your starting quarterback's going to be, how they're going to react. Uh, obviously, Virginia Tech is going to be pumped. They're going to be as confident as ever because, hell, they beat you last year at your place. It's the first game of the season. It's going to be a night game. Uh, Blacksburg is a tough place to win. And now you're going to be missing some experienced guys. Uh, and, again, you know some of the guys didn't play all that much. But Joey Bosa is a guy that did Bosa's play a lot. Bosa is the only name I really recognized. So, I mean. and, and he is a significant part of that defense. And some of the other guys are on offense. And yeah, Marshall's a, a backup running back. It looks like, and I'm just kind of clicking on the. I guess I the Dontre Wilson's a wide receiver. Yeah, so the other guys are probably obviously. I wouldn't say no, 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 no. Losing a sleep, losing a mother and bossa, but the other guys I'm sure could have been contributors. But I'm sure they can. Obviously, someone can step. I would think they'd have enough talent depth where someone can step up. I mean, those- well, they, they are an incredibly talented team, uh, and that's what Urban Meyer said when he made this news. Even when Urban Meyer talks to the media, he just comes off as such a jerk. <laughs> I, I mean, his, he, he, he everywhere he's go, he's everywhere he's been, he's had players that have gotten in trouble, which that does happen at every program. I'm not saying that 
you know, or, or my, he shouldn't. That should never happen any place because that does happen. Uh, but it was. I mean, I'm just sick. I'm, I'm sick of. I'm sick of the videos automatically playing, Trevor. Yeah, that doesn't even when me not, too. Even when I'm not on the tabs, I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'm sick of it. Yeah, they should, um, they, every video should be muted automatically. You can play when you go on any site, but every video should be automatically muted, and it should get. You should have the option to unmute it if you want. I agree. I agree. We're far enough along the internet world where we don't have to be forced, you know, ads playing down our throat just as soon as we go on a page. But it will – I'm excited for football. And the coaches poll came out today. Ohio State, obviously, number one. And and Urban Meyer talking – I kind of lost that point there. Urban Meyer was talking today to the media about these players getting suspended and basically saying, we recruited – uh, we, we believe in our recruiting. We're going to have depth. We're going to be okay. Uh, for a one-game situation, I, I'm sure they probably will be okay. Again, I would be a little bit worried if I were, if did I were they, in Ohio. What did they say? It was, there, it was just this one game only? I didn't see like, that. That's what it seems like. And he, he talked about how they have known that for a while. This isn't a big surprise. It just finally came out. Uh, but whatever. It's just typical Ur- Urban Meyer. Uh, so, they, so the coach poll came out today. Ohio State number one. TCU 2, Alabama 3, Baylor 4, Oregon 5. That's the top five. You're going to throw in uh, two more teams, SEC teams, Auburn and Georgia, in the top 10. Uh, And then LSU comes in at 13, Ole Miss 15, Arkansas 20, Missouri 23, and Tennessee rounding out the top 25 at 25. Louisville not in the top 25. They did receive 27 votes. Kentucky not in the top 25. They did receive one vote. Anything that jumps out at you at the top 25, Trevor? Uh, other than the fact I want to ask you why you voted for Kentucky. Um, <laughs> you, think I, you, you, think I, you think I vote for Mark Stoops in the coaches poll? <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah, because I bet you Stoops didn't vote it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of SIDs do vote in the coaches yeah. poll. And I, I don't know exactly who gets who votes for for UK, uh, but I promise you, Trevor, I don't have that vote. Well, I'm, uh, but with Louisville, no, I'm not surprised. I, I, maybe I guess I'm not I, the, the amount of votes they would get. I don't know what would be considered. A, a, I'm a little novice to how it would be considered a good amount of votes. How how that compares? How far below that is of cracking the top twenty five with twenty seven votes? But that makes sense. I could see them outside that top, being around that thirty to thirty five area. Still a lot of question marks for Louisville to answer. Plenty a lot of them are going to be answered right in week one, though. I'll tell you that much. I know. I, not an ideal game for, for Louisville. Uh, no, if they were to somehow... I, I, like, I like Petrino knowing he's got that much time to prepare for a team. I mean, yes, I, I look at a game like a Florida State where they have a week, a bye week ahead and obviously having more answers to prepare for with the position. But, I mean, a lot like you know some of the better coaches, and I mean, call me a fanboy for saying it about Petrino, but when you give him that much time to prepare for one game – i.e. like a bowl game, it makes me feel a lot more confident. I've said on the show, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think very highly of Bobby Petrino, uh, and you're right, you're not wrong about that, but I also think very highly of Gus Malzahn and Muschamp. Muschamp just now focusing on defense for Auburn. That's a, it's a tough game, and, and I know what you're saying, that, yeah, I want as much time as prepare for our, Auburn as possible, but they're also preparing for you, too. I wonder how much so they and, and I don't th- I don't make the think that Auburn would overlook Louisville at all in any way, especially the coaching staff. But I can't help but wonder there'd be a higher percentage of Auburn players looking down or past this Louisville game, well more than Louisville players looking down or past Auburn. Well, you're always going to have that, uh, and you saw it in the Sugar Bowl for Louisville, where Louisville's going to 
you know, they, they feel a bit disrespected. Auburn's going to go into this game being a 10 or an 11 point favorite. And you're, you're probably right from that standpoint, but the thing working against Louisville is it's the opening game of the year. Auburn hasn't played a football game in months, yeah. so they're going to be jacked for this game regardless. And it, it might mean a little bit more to Louisville. They're basically but it's playing still, at home. They're only like an hour and a half from exactly. Campus. And that's another thing. If it was at Louisville, I'd say you know what, maybe you could catch Auburn sleeping a little bit. Maybe they won't be ready for that environment. But it's going to be. It is going to be a crazy environment. There's going to be you know there'll, there'll be a ton of Louisville fans there. Anyways, it'll be a it'll be a pro Auburn crowd and. You could, you could play anybody in the ACC in Atlanta against Auburn, and it would be a pro Auburn crowd. Well, I mean, it's just, it's right down the road from Auburn, and a lot of Auburn fans living in Atlanta, anyways. But one it, thing I think gets overlooked is, I mean, and I know Auburn is named the starter. His name is eluding me, and he played very sparingly last year. But it's still a new guy at quarterback. I mean, the numbers last year weren't really mind blowing, and I know supposedly. Was, Jeremy Johnson, thank is you. That yes, Jeremy Johnson, yes, and he was named the starter already, you know, weeks ago, and supposedly it's clearly his job. But last year, I mean, it was ninety nine percent of the time playing Nick Marshall. So you have a brand new quarterback. You have a new run. You have new running backs in there. It's a new offense for Mar- for Auburn as well. I mean, they've got question marks that I think are getting a little bit more overlooked than they should be. And you're you're spot on. And Louisville's defense is really good. They're returning a lot. Uh, they're adding some some secondary experience. has got a lot of new question marks, but the front seven have. Almost everybody yeah. coming back, but here's the thing: is again, I you know, I'm I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but uh, Louisville also has some questions at quarterback. You don't even know who's going to be the starting quarterback for Louisville, and also whoever it's going to be isn't going to potentially be a Heisman candidate like Jeremy Johnson is. Now, whether or not that's deserved or not, uh, that's a different story. I guess we'll find out when the season starts. But people are already putting him in the Heisman discussion. You're not hearing that about Bonifant or Kyle Bolin or Lamar Jackson, although I, I'm pretty excited about him. No, and I get that, and then I, and I don't think by week six or seven you'll still hear any of the Louisville quarterbacks in the Heisman contention. Maybe I'd like to be wrong, but I doubt it. But, I mean, like, but the, still, I mean, even though there's hype, I mean, there was a lot of hype for Will Gardner last year, and I'm not saying he was bad, but there, clearly he didn't reach, I think, some of the expectations that were coming into that season for him last year under first year of Petrino. So, I mean, well, expectations point, can sometimes be overblown. My point is Auburn's you know, Auburn's a more talented team. Oh, and I, you would, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. You would that. agree with that. Yeah, I'm and not arguing that. I guess if you were going to play them at any point in the year, you might as well get them in the first game yep. uh, for some of the reasons you mentioned and also just the uncertainty on both sides, which which can be a positive for some teams, can be a negative for some teams. You never know until the game actually takes place. Uh, but it'll, it'll be a tough game for Louisville to, to, to win. But if they were to win, uh, I'm sure they'd probably shoot up to – Top fifteen in the rankings, I mean, uh, and J- then JT Barrett was considered a somewhat of a Heisman for a Heisman candidate before he got injured, and he played pretty poorly in his first start against Virginia Tech last year for Ohio State. Yeah, and um, but it, you know it, it's kind of a it's a very I think it's a low risk game for Louisville, very high reward. If they were to win that, it, it completely changes the season outlook, and also maybe. You know, it could put you in the in the college football playoff conversation because oh, yeah. you get Clemson at home, you should win that, and then it really comes down to well, can you beat Florida State? Can you win at Kentucky? And then some other uh, semi tricky games, but nothing nothing too major. Uh, it, it it really is like I said, high reward, low risk. Everybody's going to expect you to lose that game again. I think they probably will, but we'll see. And Kentucky gets a, a cupcake in Week One to kind of br- to polish new Commonwealth Stadium. That's a positive for this UK team is just to kind of get things figured out 
and then head on into Columbia. Uh, man, I can't wait for football season. I think everyone agrees. Uh, I can't wait for are, fantasy football as well. That's my. That's where I'm looking at my chops. We're going to start talking about fantasy football next week, I promise you. That's fine with me. We can start it tomorrow. If you, if you don't want to talk it, then you can, I'll, I'll meet you and I'll just keep talking. <laughs> that's fine with me. I, I, I will talk it. You don't have to worry about muting me. We're out of time for today's show. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday. Stick around for Inside the Press Box with Nick Coffey here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. See you tomorrow. Call it bluegrass, song, call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of tone. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone. High time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm going wrong and I swear I'm going right. Come on. High time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Say it's time to take a trip to where the grass is blue and peep how the mere south do. Come on, it's okay. Hop in with your boys to the river and we taking the back way.